What's happening, everybody? I want to welcome you to the, well, the sort of inaugural episode of The Stage is Yours, which is my new interview show, where I'm just kind of going to be talking to, you know, anybody I feel like talking to. And awesomely enough, this time around, I have uh, the co-host of the absolutely fantastic True Crime Campfire, Katie. What's going on? Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, no, it's just, this is great. I am so glad to have you here. Whitney was a blast. Uh, and then when I found out you were excited to, like, you wanted to come on and try it, too, I was like, yeah, sure, what the hell? <laughs> so I'm, I'm absolutely, like, honored to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, goodness. All right, so where do we even start, right? Uh I just finished a little while ago your most recent episode, mm -hmm. so I am actually all caught up. It was another fantastic one. Thank you. How, like, how did you even get into true crime? Like, what was the case that that kind of uh, caught your eye for the very first time, hooked you, so to speak? So, in my mind, I have like two—I don't want to call them triggers. Okay. There's two moments in time where. I realized like this is something I could be interested in. Mm. Um, the first is my mom used to sell used books on Amazon, eBay, Barnes and Noble. Um, and one of the most popular books she sold was the devil in white city okay. by Eric Larson. Fantastic book, by the way, it's about, uh, HH H. Holmes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I remember because it's, it's about HH H. Holmes and the world's fair in Chicago. And I specifically remember skipping the World's Fair parts because I was like, let's just get back to the the horrifying monster that H.H. Holmes was. <laughs> um, I don't know when that came out. Um, but also there was a, a local case to me. I grew up in Colorado um, where uh, a man was exonerated. We did an episode on it. It's uh, uh, Timothy Masters um, was uh, accused of murder, um, mur murdering um, Peggy Hetrick. Okay. And when I was in high school, when he, he was exonerated, and I remember um, having a really long conversation with my dad, actually, about um, wrongful uh, convictions yeah. and how, like, truly it will ruin someone's life. So those are, like, the two main cases. Mm -hmm. But I've kind of I've kind of always been interested in, um, like, serial killers. It's just kind of always been in the back of my mind. Right. Did you get, were you branded as, like, the weird kid in high school? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was yep. too, so I totally get it. I had to do a, um, like my senior year, you had a split social studies course. It was like participation in government and I think economics or some, something uh -huh. along that line. And for the participation in government, you had to, uh, you had to like research and debate a topic. Mm -hmm. And I did uh, the death penalty and I went through this, I, I mean, I just dove headfirst into serial killers. Like, I found lists of, like, this is, like, the early days of the internet, so everything yeah, yeah. looked like a fucking message board. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so I remember just printing out, like, sheet after sheet after sheet of all of mm -hmm. these different serial killers. A lot of them I'd never heard of. Right. Uh, but these are, like, like now I think about it, I'm like, oh, those are big names. Like, I had never heard of, like, oh, who was Richard Ramirez? Yeah. Oh, he's the scumbag with halitosis, you know? It's, <laughs> um so, I'm, you know, yeah, you learn about all of these, like, you know, I'm learning about all of these, like, kind of horrible, horrible people. And, every, of course, it's the Internet, so they're giving you, like, every grisly detail of every possible kill they can they can come up with. And I, I was I was hooked. It was it. Was it. I can one-up you, actually. Oh, so please do. In English class my sophomore year, we did uh, In Cold Blood, of course, the mm -hmm. classic. Um, and <laughs> I actually, uh, we did a... Um, 
what is it the the where you do a, you do a court case yeah and i yeah, was yeah. on the i was on the prosecution yep. and uh, a mock trial and um i found crime scene photos of the okay. of the victims of uh in uh <laughs> in that book and uh was presenting it i oh, no. i got really i got way too into it at one point i was like i need a redirect on that oh. witness <laughs> um so uh yeah i was always this weird <laughs> hey, amen that's fine you know mm-hmm. it, it could be so much worse uh okay so did uh was podcasting easy for you to get into no no, not, not at all. all. So I've always I've I started listening to podcasts really early. I started listening to podcasts when they were still doing just video podcasts. Okay, like you could download from like I remember Kerrang uh, magazine, the mm. the alt alt magazine. They would do like video podcasts, um, and you know you're sitting in your room and you're kind of like, what would I do a podcast about? What would I talk about? What would this be like? And um, a big influence on me was uh, the Jake and Amir podcast. If I were you. Okay. Um, comedians Jake and Amir from College Humor did. Uh, they still do an advice, uh, an advice podcast, um, where they um, just take listener listener questions and give advice. Um, yeah. That always meant a lot to me. But when Whitney approached me, I was so nervous. I was like, because I had done like live streams. We talk about that a lot on yeah. the show. Um, but like, I think our first. I think our first four episodes, we probably ended up recording technically like eight episodes. Like we oh, recorded God. that, we yeah. recorded that first episode like four times. And then we, we just, it, we had so many growing pains of just the, like, so it wasn't natural to me, but I think having a co-host helped kind of like ease that yeah. anxiety, you know? Yeah. It's easier when somebody's, like, not necessarily holding your hand, but, like, going through the same things that you're going through. Right. And she's a teacher, so she's, like, good at talking. Ah, yeah, okay, okay. So so she's good at, like, kind of organizing a way to, like, I mean, we're teaching people about, you know, true crime. So we... Right. So uh, that's that's kind of... I would have never... I actually... So I had, had all the equipment in my possession, because um, I had a friend that wanted to start a podcast mm-hmm. um, with me about... Um, like mental health. Yeah. And I had all the stuff. She never pulled the trigger. I never pulled the trigger. And so when Whitney said yes, I was like, okay, let's do it. Cool. But was it also one of those like, oh shit, now I have to actually like go through with it kind of Mm -hmm. moments. Oh yeah. yeah. When we went live, I was like, I kept refreshing looking for reviews. I was, I was convinced we were going to get like a million one star reviews the first time we posted. It's terrifying. It's so terrifying. And I mean, honestly, so I, I admittedly, uh, I have been uh, supportive of your show the entire time, but I really, like, I have a hard time sometimes just sitting to listen to things. Sure, sure. Um, so I didn't really jump in until, like, season two-ish, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, and then I was like, God damn it, why did I wait so long? Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're saying there's growing pains in the beginning, you sure as hell don't have them now. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because now it kind of just comes second nature of like mm-hmm. we have it down to a schedule and down pat. Um, I'm not saying right. it's not hard. Like this week was like we've had we had Whitney and I were both slammed at work. We had like yeah. no time. I couldn't research. She couldn't script. So like we thank God for our, her her husband slash our editor. He actually put together right. like a pretty damn good script for us. But like 
I think doing it over and over again, it kind of becomes just second nature of like, oh yeah, today's a recording day. I got to right. do this, this, and this. Yeah. It's like muscle memory. You just, yeah, exactly. You just slide right into it. Yeah. Um, well then, so where, I mean, obviously, so, all right, so do you do the majority of the research and Whitney does the majority of the scripting or do you kind of shift off? Um, it kind of depends. Like right now I've been, I announced it on the podcast, I've been dealing with some health issues. Yeah. So it's been harder for me to research. But in the past, what I would do is I would do an outline and then Whitney would write the script. Um, yeah. and that's kind of, I still tend to do that when I can. Um, but yeah, so she's, and I've scripted some, um, like a bunch of the serial killer episodes. Cause those are kind of like my, you know, specialty. Yeah. Um, I have written a lot of the serial killer episodes, but She's just a, she's a whiz, man. I don't know how she does it. She's, it's incredible. <laughs> she, wicked. she can, she can bang out a script in like a couple days. It takes me like, really? it takes me like almost a week um, to write a script. It's brutal. Like I, sh- I sent you a screenshot over of what my show notes look mm-hmm. like. And I'm using, I'm using air quotes for the show notes part yeah. of it because it's just, it's just a word salad. Like, it was very in depth. I looked I at it. I, really? Thank you. I, I looked at it like five minutes before we started this call, and I was like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I, these are my notes. I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> um, so, the thing I love the most about your show is the fact that you cover predominantly like cases that aren't necessarily like super widely known. Like, mm-hmm. you're not covering the same ten serial killers that like every other true crime podcast is covering. Right. Like, you're, you're not trying to tell me something new about Jeffrey Dahmer because there's nothing new you can tell me about Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> no, um, there's nothing new in, under the sun. No. No, nothing. And and, I, and I'm i almost tired of hearing the same stuff rehashed mm-hmm. over and over, trying to sound new. But, right, right. So where do you, like, when you sit down to, to come up with the idea for what you're going to focus on for an episode, do you have, like, a bank of cases that you've put together? And where exactly do you even go to get those names from sure um so whitney's a whiz kid i keep i cannot i cannot overstate that she's incredible (laughs) i can be like there was a case like a couple years ago where and i'll give her two details and she'll be like i got it it's this this guy yeah it's incredible it's amazing she's she's been entrenched in the true crime world for so long that it's really hard to find a case that she doesn't know um And so, you know, we get it from a few places. Dateline's always a really good source for us. Mm -hmm. Um, They just are really thorough, um, not flashy. Um, Lots of true crime books. Uh, A lot of times, if we can find long-form articles, like Texas Monthly is a great source for us on cases because Texas Monthly puts out, like, these beautifully written, you know, 10-page articles that we can kind of find sources on. Because, like... We'll have we'll have people suggest cases to us that are like currently happening, and there's just no details on them at all. Right. And so, it's kind of about like finding a balance because like I tell Whitney this all the time that I I fucking hate Snapped as a show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the way it's structured, it's impossible to like r- like take notes on because it'll like bounce around. They'll talk about this and that, and they'll come back to another thing. And then the other difficult thing is if we're watching multiple shows. A lot of time there's there's conflicting details right so you know i think part of it part of what we like to do is like you said we were sick of hearing about john wayne gacy over and over and over yeah um and 
also we wanted to kind of we wanted to create a true crime show for people who are already listening to true crime podcasts so when i reference richard ramirez i don't have to take a 10 minute aside and be like okay he did this (laughs) this and this and his breath really fucking smelled right i can just be like that that fart mouth freak yeah oh god that was beautiful that was so fantastic (laughs) i was proud of that one but yeah um so and and we've said from the beginning that we want to be the true crime podcast we want to see in the world yeah um where like we this is this is a podcast we would want to listen to and like i'm not saying there's anything wrong with other podcasts i'm a huge fan of many oh, many yeah. true crime yeah. podcasts but you know it's it's there's so much information about ted bundy out there that, yeah like, exactly and so i'm a freak and i do like listening to podcasts about things i know already mm-hmm. um but at a certain point it's like I've listened to last podcast on the left talk about Ted Bundy. I've listened to so many times. I've, <clears throat> I've listened to, uh, you know, my favorite murder and murderific and morbid. And those are all fantastic podcasts, but like, I don't have anything new to bring to the conversation. That's not fun for me. Right. Right. And it doesn't make, it doesn't allow you to stand out. Right. Right. Like you're just kind of standing in a, standing in a room where everybody looks at kind of exactly the same. Yeah. This is kind of a weird thing to talk about because sometimes I'll look up cases that we've covered on like podcast apps to see if anybody else has covered it. Um, Mm. And it's kind of. How often does it happen? Kind of a coin flip. I was surprised like when we covered Dyson Hassenkoft, I was surprised there were several podcasts that came out about him and then last podcast covered him and we were a little bit upset about it yeah that does kind of like sweep the rug out from under you a little we bit were, we were like dang it but we we, we got there first in fairness to to marcus park and and company we got there first um but uh yeah it, it's kind of a coin flip sometimes um like a show will reference it like when we covered tracy richter i when we first talked talked about covering her i know that like my favorite murder, for example, covered her specifically when they were in a live show in Iowa. So okay. it, I would say that it happens occasionally. That um, I know the most recent one that I looked up that hadn't been covered was the murder of Martre Coles, mm-hmm. um, which was crazy to me because it's a it's a really tragic case. Um, yeah. But we, uh, but no one no one had covered it yet so i was surprised was that the well, that was the florida case with the stepmother right the, yeah the, the mask she, yeah oh god yeah oh. yep that ugh, ugh. like yep. i thought i want to say i listened to that one like last week at yep. some point and it was just like i was doing the dishes like it's kind of what i like i listen to you guys while i do the dishes <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh I slowed down so that I didn't have like because if I get done I'm like well I guess I'll pause it and I'll come sure. back to it later. We have to on, do dishes you know? again, yeah. But, yeah, when I got to do the dishes again. Uh, but this time I was like, I'm just gonna go slow because I gotta <laughs> hear how this one comes out. You know, like it was a it, oh god, what a sad, horrible case awful. that was. Awful. And it, I think it's great that you're like shedding light on those cases as opposed to like like we said the ones that everybody has already talked about. Mm-hmm. You should be talking about the ones that no one is talking about. Like those are the ones that you're supposed to focus on first, right? And and I think it's important to to cover under under known cases because like the chances yeah. of you you meeting a Ted Bundy are pretty low. Um, exactly. The chances of you being hurt by someone in your immediate circle is very high. Right. Right. So I mean, obviously. So my next question on here. Uh, 
<laughs> I feel like we've talked about it already, but we're going to go with it again anyway. So, like, what? How, how important is it to have, like, a solid co-host? Oh, my God. I literally... I think Whitney and I complement each other so perfectly because... I agree completely. <laughs> because the things that she, like, even just... Like, the things that she focuses on and the things that I focus on are so completely different. Like, she's very um, detail-focused when it comes to timeline and, Mm. um, like, understanding what happened when and and names. Jesus Christ, the names. I can never remember names. Um, And I I tend to, like, be more towards, like, the feelings or, like... Now, I don't want to say psychology because she's very much focused on psychology, too. We had an entire conversation today about the psychology of uh, Michael Myers and Jason oh. Jason Voorhees. Uh, but um, but we each bring stuff up together that we're like, oh, my God, I didn't think of it that way. Right. Um, and and she's just a little a little more. Is it the I know this is all bunk, but it's it's whatever left brain, right brain. I'm oh, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm the flower child and she's like the like focused one. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that shit totally works. I don't mm-hmm. know, like like you said, like it's 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 absolute bunk, but like sometimes it it totally works. Yeah, and I think like the two of you are just a fantastic pairing. Like there's just such a natural synchronicity to how the two of you work together. Like it's just like everything flows. Like obviously, like you know, there's flubs and you got to edit stuff out. Yeah, of course. yeah. Like it's a show like anything else, but I mean, for the most part, like. You're never off game. Like, neither one of you are ever like, well, that wasn't a very good episode. It was, you know, it was okay. Like, all your stuff is fantastic. I think a big part of that, and, and, you know, we're pretty upfront about the fact that we use scripts. Right. um, Because, like, even if I'm having a shitty day or Whitney's having a shitty day, we can can turn it on for an hour um, and be, like, focused on this one thing. Um, And, you know... It's, it's amazing. Like, it's one of those, I don't know, I don't believe in fate or anything, but it's mm-hmm. one of those weird moments where when she asked me to be the podcast, we'd been talking in DMs for, like, a while, but, like, we yeah. weren't, we didn't know each other. We didn't know that we would work well together. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, we hadn't, we didn't even meet until, like, well after the show started. What so, was that like? Was that weird, like, doing a show with somebody for a long period of time and then, of course, and then you meet? No, because I had made friends on the internet before. I mean, I'm a true blue millennial, right? I have MySpace, top eight, you know, people that I'd never met before. Um, But it was, and it, 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 the moment I knew that this was long term, because when we first started the podcast, it was just going to be that first season. That's all we both signed up for. Really? Yeah. So so, it was like a trial run kind of thing? Exactly. And we were kind of like, well, maybe we can like, create a different show after true crime campfire and then true crime okay. campfire was just such a good name that we were like well we'll keep it on it but, really is <laughs> but then we we uh we like i went and visited her and it was just like seeing you know an old friend it was yeah. crazy it was not there was no awkwardness we hugged she introduced me to her cats Aww. like i felt like like it was just like oh i'm going to visit an old friend right um, like you're a member of the family yeah exactly yeah so then, all right, so then I got to ask, who came up with True Crime Campfire? God, I want to say it was Whitney. Okay. Slash uh, a listener who I do not remember the name of. Right. Um, like, a, this is like a, I say listener. He's like a friend of us, ours. Or <laughs> they're a friend of ours. Uh, I th- I want to say it was her because we threw, threw, we threw around a bunch of names that we were, because we wanted True Crime Story Time. 
Okay. Um, but that already existed. That's not bad either. It existed, though. Oh, um, yeah. And then I think we talked about doing murder nerds, but that felt a little too flippant. Like, we were, like, making light of it. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, it was it was a long day, I think, of us. Like, I, th- I remember going to the gym, and in between sets, I was, te- like, we were texting back and forth, brainstorming. But um, we landed on True Crime Campfire because we wanted it to feel like, we we ultimately wanted it to feel like you're, like, sitting around with your friends talking about, I, I don't want to say scary stories, because that's also yeah. flippant. But, like, you're sitting around a campfire talking about the news, talking about things you've heard. Right. Um, and and I think that's what we've kind of created. I hope that's what we've yeah, kind of created. I think so. I definitely think so. There's a uh, There's a certain warmth to your show that most true crime shows don't have. I think I don't know if I can accurately describe what that means but like it's just kind of you can tell that the two of you care about what you're doing mm-hmm. and there's no I'm trying to think like like obviously like you don't blame victims but you're also not trying to take advantage of the fact that there are victims sure if that makes any sense yeah and that's that's important to us too is because I think I'm not I don't even think about necessarily it's in podcasts because i think you know in the last five years or so i think it's become a much more victim focused industry Mm -hmm. um but i do think the true crime industry in general does tend to glorify the murderers more than they glorify the kid like you know it's take a shot every time you see somebody that uh lit up a room when she smiled that's uh, that's such a nothing trope you know that doesn't mean anything and like it's not necessarily true like she maybe didn't light up a room when she when she smiled but she still has worth regardless of what she did what happened when she walked into her room you know yeah no i totally agree like we they feel that we uh, we uh it's like the royal we they turn you're you're with us yeah, they they turn serial killers into kind of like the uh, the the, the Freddies and and Jasons and Michael Myers. They, you know, yes. they're like they're less uh, they're they're more icons than they are kind of uh, cautionary tales, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's they make them feel inevitable, like like there was the, like Ted Bundy is this terrifying boogeyman standing in a corner. No. Right. He was a manipulative asshole. Yeah. That no one ever told no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the other thing, like I think I touched on this a little bit when I when I talked to Whitney, is the the kind of uh, it's that like hindsight mentality where they're like, well, I don't know how anyone would have gotten into a car. Oh my god. With Ted Bundy because he was so ugly. <gasps> well, first of all, like you're looking at him through 2020, 2021 you know eyes right and and as much as i hate to say it like ted bundy was an average looking man like was he like a supermodel no absolutely not but i can understand why people were like not caught off guard like not afraid of him sure yeah it's it's interesting because you know they they talk about there's a conspiracy theory i say that with all of the scare quotes uh that like ted bundy was switched with uh george w bush and I, this is not a political statement at all. I do not want anyone taking this anything other than what I'm saying. Right. Is that politicians are generally handsome or attractive people. They are. So yeah, if you're comparing George Bush and Ted <laughs> Bundy, you are saying he is attractive. I'm yeah, sorry. That's... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We're not, I don't want to get into politics, but like. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong, though. It's absolutely, it's absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more attractive you are, the easier it is to sell a line of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, Facts. Yeah, there you go. All right, so then if you could do another podcast, now I'm not saying this is in like, you know, because True Crime Campfire is over. If you could do another podcast, what would you do it on? Okay, I want. 10 podcasts, but I will narrow it down to two because right. in interest of I mean, time, got time, you can go to all 10 if you want. <laughs> um, so I have a very specific interest in weird internet culture, weird internet happenings. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the final fantasy house. I have not. Oh, okay. I'll just go into the Final Fantasy House. Uh, so right. my podcast would be about weird internet stuff that happened. Um, so yeah. the Final Fantasy House, uh, to make a very long and convoluted story short, was <laughs> a house where um, one individual lured another individual there by saying like they had a shared interest in Final Fantasy Seven yeah. or something, mm-hmm. and basically said they are the reincarnated souls of various characters from Final Fantasy Seven. Oh my God. Yep. Um, so they're the, the reincarnated souls of, of fictional non, characters. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. fictional characters. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, and like, so this this kid got there and basically became. I don't know anything about Final Fantasy VII. I'm a terrible right. nerd. Um, but this kid <laughs> this kid got there and they like were basically became the house slave. So like, and because of the way the mechanics worked in Final Fantasy, the only thing they could eat was Gatorade and steak because that that oh was one God. of the things. But like steak was expensive and this kid was yeah. working at a grocery store so like they had no money no right. way to to like make it they were constantly because they were performing rituals covered in glitter and they were like they were completely cut it was a literal cult they were cut off from the outside world had no money and the thing that made them snap was somebody stole their shoes like they had to take their shoes off before going into the house um and somebody in the apartment stole their shoes Oh and uh, they ended and up walking. that was wa- just it. And they were like, okay, I'm out. And they ended up walking around the streets. I think it was Florida, too. Uh, walking course. around the streets of Florida, looking for a payphone. Malnourished, because all the... Yeah. I, when I say they're just eating steak, I'm not saying steak and broccoli and potatoes. No, they are yeah, literally just, just meat. eating meat. So you're severely malnourished, drinking oh fucking Gatorade. Wow. Um, and uh, the, the house shortly collapsed after... Not literally, but like figuratively. Yeah. Um, but I would love to do a podcast just about weird pop culture shit. Um, I would love was, to listen to that podcast, honestly. There was also, uh, when you, when you, when we get off this call, you'll need to look up, uh, uh, fan fiction, T-H-A-N mm-hmm. fiction. Um, okay. that, that's another pop culture cult, uh, around Lord of the Rings. Oh. And, uh, what's his name that played Samwise Gamgee was like part of this organization that, um, they were doing like charity work. And then yeah. they, they, this this person, um, his name's Andy Blake, he put together a, a con, like a convention. Yeah. And, like, told people there was going to be all these events, told people there was going to be, uh, like, got, like, extras, like, the peop- the guys that played uh, orcs and stuff, and the Uruk uh-huh. guy, to come and, like, come to the events. And the day approached, the uh, stunt guys and the, the actors are on the planes, Nothing is set up. Oh, my God. And then it goes into another reincarnation cult. It's fascinating. You need to look it up. I, I want to do I, a, I will absolutely. Yeah. I want to do a, a show on it. It's it's 
crazy. Um, but I would love to do just show on, on weird shit that happened on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing um, we talked a little bit before we started recording is <clears throat> my dad and I used to run a blog with mm-hmm. like where we would review horror movies. And yeah. honestly, the most fun I've ever had. Like, and we would always rate it like five out of five, something referring to the movie. Um, I think yeah, when, yeah. We, when we were, when we reviewed Train to Busan, like when it first came out in the U.S., uh, I think we rated it uh, five out of five uh, baseball zombies or something. But, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but I would love to do it. My dad's one of the funniest people um, I've ever met, and I would love to just do, sit, sit and do a show with him, just sh- talking right. shit. That would be amazing. So, all right, well, then you, you're going to, like, deal with my first tangent side Let's go. Here Let's go. Train to Busan is a fascinating film. It's, like, the be- one of the best zombie movies I think I've ever seen. Ever. Um, I suffered very greatly from zombie fatigue. Oh, um, my God. Prob- right? You can blame it probably on the nine Walking Dead shows and yes. the fact that, like, every horror movie that came out around that time was, like, either a direct ripoff of it or was clearly biting from it. Mm-hmm. Um like, I just got amazingly tired of it, and Train to Busan popped up. And, of course, everybody's ranting and raving about it, about how what a fantastic film it is. And I'm like... They say that about movie. every zombie movie, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, it's a zombie movie. How great could it possibly be? <laughs> so, one... I was, like, a Saturday. I think it was, like, a Saturday, and I was like, well, let's go and see how this movie is. And I was just hooked to the fucking screen mm-hmm. from open to close. And no no joke, it is... It might be my favorite zombie movie ever. I agree. Or The Night of the Living Dead way more than than any of night of the living dead sequels um i do have to say so i would agree with you that it is the best good zombie movie i've ever seen my favorite horror movie of all time and you can judge me Mm -hmm. all you want and this is i'm going on a tangent now uh is return of the living motherfucking dead ah my wife's favorite is part two send more cops is like one of the best (laughs) like my favorite but yeah I, i Listen, I was in the same boat as you. I could not... I I think the moment that I stopped liking zombie movies mm-hmm. was I went to the theaters to go see Quarantine. Yeah. And the final scene of that movie is the one that was in every single fucking trailer for that goddamn movie. Oh, and that was, yeah, where it yanks her. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, yeah. that, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, they gave you the finish... In the tra- in the trailer, it's also the reason yeah. I, I don't watch trailers anymore. It's it is kind of a much more like it used to be like a trailer got you hooked for the movie. Mm-hmm. Now I've basically seen the movie by the time it like I have that conversation of boy I sure hope I didn't see everything good, <laughs> which always to me as a kid felt like something that old people fucking said. <laughs> and, and I was like old people always say like well I saw the whole movie now I don't have to go and actually pay for it and but now I'm like fuck they're not. Like, now it's kind of true. Uh, I, I can't remember who said this first. I can't take credit for this take. Um, but the best scene in Mad Max Fury Road yeah. is undoubtedly the scene where they're all being chased down and the guy with the guitar on the front of the car is just rocking yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. Best scene in the fucking movie. What did they plaster all over every trailer? Is that, that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can't. I'm over it. I- it's it's like somebody sat in a room and was like, what's the most iconic shot that we can find in this entire movie? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Let's not surprise them with it. We'll just give it to them all at once. It's God. It'll be great. We'll make so much money. And then everything tanks and they wonder why. Yep. 
And they wonder why no one wants to pay 15 bucks to go to a movie. Exactly. <laughs> oh, good. We're so going to talk about horror here in a little bit. Woo! <laughs> All right. So uh, I have to actually like preface this one with, with an apology because <laughs> when we were talking... When we were talking earlier today about, um, like, you know, just going over stuff for the show, and you asked me about the Catherine shift in mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, and that you had Googled it and couldn't find anything, that's because it's like, it was like a, those were my show notes, so it was so that I would know what I was talking about. The Catherine you shift co- you coined it. not a, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Catherine shift is the scene in Silence of the Lambs where Buffalo Bill has Catherine in the pit, and she's lured the dog down. And, you know, he comes looking for the dog and she's like, oh, she's hurt real bad, mister. You know, I got you know, your dog's hurt. And he's like, don't you hurt my dog. You know, he's fucking yelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a split second in Silence of the Lambs, Catherine is the villain. I and love it's that. that moment. It's that moment because because as the audience, I know you're thinking, don't you hurt that dog? Yes. Like that dog didn't have nothing to do with it. You leave Precious alone. God damn it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, listen. I think it's I think it is low hanging fruit for any movie to hurt a dog, right? Because you're you're immediately going to get yeah. an emotional oh, yeah. response. It's like cheap heat. And like the fantastic Kane Hodder, Jason Voorhees himself would not hurt a dog. Because I told you this before, but yeah, I have you to blew share my mind you. when you told me this. So Kane Hodder, when he got the script for, I think it was, is it Friday the Thirteenth, uh, eight. Yeah, Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason Takes Manhattan, in which 90% of the movie is on a boat, but we don't yep. need to get go into that. When nope. Jason is walking through Manhattan and he comes across that like group of punks, he was in the script supposed to kick a dog. Right. And Kane Hodder came back and he was like, Jason would never, ever hurt a dog. Like, that's it's not... It's true. It is. He has... He has... He is a moral killer on, yeah. on every level. That is his thing. He, he kills... Okay because of his morals yeah and so that now we have the infamous scene where he kicks the boombox which i think is better it is i think it's much more effective and and i stand by what i said when you told me this story earlier which is that jason is a murderer he's not a fucking monster yes yes. he's not going to kick the dog because he's not a monster and that i actually ended up bringing it up with whitney and that's when (laughs) whitney and i had a whole discussion about the psychology of michael myers because michael myers is just a predator he has no Mm -hmm. like he he poses bodies and like where Jason is much more disorganized and he just he he kills them with whatever he can get, get his hands on. Yeah, he is. He he lets them lie where they land. He doesn't. He, there's no ritual. Whereas Michael yeah. is much more um, intelligent, He's much I more methodical. Say. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're talking about the newer ones, because boy, do people not like that. I like my I like the new Halloweens. So did I. I thought it was fa- I thought it was pretty damn. The good, scene in the listen the scene in the bathroom. I haven't seen Halloween Kills yet. Don't spoil it. Yeah. Um, right. The scene in the bathroom where he goes after the serial killers or not the serial killers the podcasters with the teeth. Yes. The coolest yes. scene I've ever like. I was oh god the teeth hyped. Like, ah. I was hyped in that like, and I think Halloween's one of the only movies where you like you can just turn your like brain off entirely because like you know yeah. that everyone's gonna die except for Laurie Strode. Yeah, and you just, know what you're getting. Like, let it happen, and you're just like, yes, yeah, impale that dude's head on a fence, yes. <laughs> but I kind of wish the podcasters had lasted a little bit longer. Like, they were actually quite interesting, I yeah. thought, and they didn't have enough time to, like, you know, 
give me more of that. Yeah, I think if they had, like, maybe gone back to Haddonfield and, like, started in- trying to interview, like, Lori, I think that would have been good. Um, yeah. I think if I think if they had more time to make them deserve it a little more, if that... <laughs> God, that sounds awful. Uh, no, it make you. No, I. I it's get horror totally movie logic, you though. You know. Yeah. Like the kid that didn't the curl. It's been a while since I saw the other one, but didn't the curly haired kid wasn't he like a pervert or something? Yeah, he was like one of those like kind of like numb nut yeah, yeah, yeah. type kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like he kind of he read the girls' messages the wrong way and 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 was like, hey, tried oh, to that's right, one on her, and she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I I like the new ones. I think they're fantastic. I think it's funny though because I literally. Right before we got on, I was, you know, scrolling TikTok like a yeah. adult. Um, and some someone was like, oh, when are we ever going to get a motive for Michael? I'm like, that's the beauty. There's no motive. We don't need one. It's, it, I have seen so many horror movies be completely ruined by over-motivation. Yes. It was, it was the, like, all right, so I'm 43. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, when the remake craze kicked in, I was, like, in my 20s. Okay. Let's say. So, uh... I have seen, I've spent the last 20 years or whatever basically seeing them kind of remake movies that I grew up with, which is fine. Don't don't let me come across as one of those anti-remake people. No, no, because no. Because in some instances, I actually think the remakes are sometimes better than the original piece. Um, but, man, did they just over-motivate things and just ruin it. Like, Seriously. I didn't need to know why Leatherface killed people yeah i know why leatherface killed people because he's a nutbag from texas Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they eat people and that's the only motivation (laughs) i really needed it was much scarier when i wasn't necessarily sure that it was like like i assumed maybe his face underneath was all fucked up sure but i didn't need to know like for sure yeah like let the imagination play it up a little bit you know yeah what's that um there's a line i wish i could remember the exact line because i reference it all the time there's a line from stephen king um in Mm. one of his like writing uh like books where he's talking about how to write horror. Yeah. And he talks about how the moment you open the door to the, the killer or the monster is the moment it stops being scary because before right. that moment you replace it with whatever is most specifically scary in your mind. Uh-huh. And so like when you're talking about Leatherface, you don't need to wubbify him and make him like, oh, it's he had a sad childhood. Yeah. Oh, nobody was nice to my boy. You know well, what? Right. Nobody's nice to plenty of boys. Like it's, 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 you know, I I just listen. This is a (laughs) this is an exclusive theory that I just came up with in my brain. Okay. All right, lay down me. It all started with Jim Carrey's "How the Grinch Stole Christmas." Huh. Because they made him a tragic figure of oh he was bullied as a baby how sad. No, he's just a, he was just a shit, shithead that didn't like Christmas. Yeah. You don't need to... Yeah, that's... You don't, he was called the Grinch. Yeah. Like, you don't need any more than that. It's in the name. <laughs> you don't need to make him... like Because, like, the, I... Listen, I loved that movie. I Because I was... I don't know how old I was, but I remember listening to that Faith Hill song over and over and over again. Right, like, right. <laughs> um, But I love that movie. I think it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. But also, like... Maybe it's Jim Carrey's fault that we have horror movies now where they're trying to, like, make me feel bad for right. Michael Myers. I don't feel bad for Michael Myers. I'm sorry. And you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of, like, and, and Michael Myers of everyone is the one that you shouldn't really feel sorry yeah. for. Like, all right, so Leatherface grew up in, like, you know. In Texas. Fuck Texas. I'm kidding. Yeah, I love or Texas. Just, or just in Texas, like you said. Uh, 
And, and so obviously, like, shit wasn't going well for him. I think you only need about ten minutes of the very first movie to understand that the area he lived in wasn't exactly, like, you know, yeah. flush. Uh, Jason, well, I mean, he, he drowned. Yeah. Like, let's let's be honest, shit didn't go well for him. He drowned <laughs> and then his mom died. Yeah. Um, Michael Myers grew up in the fucking suburbs. Yeah. Like, Michael Myers is, like, the poster boy of white privilege murderers. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, he... Like the his first murder was literally just his sister had sex. His topless was, sister. Yeah, was was had sex before while he was supposed to be being babysitted, and that's yeah. it. Like that's not a motive. No. <laughs> that's like something you were like. What do you mean you were bored on Saturday night, so you murdered your sister? Yeah. Get get in jail, you little bastard! That's, like that's the beauty of a Carpenter film, right? Like there's no yeah. rhyme or reason. It just is. That's- yeah, that's why Carpenter is my favorite director. Oh my god. He just he just does his thing and that's it. Seriously. Even and this might be the most controversial thing I say on this podcast. Even Uh-oh. Halloween Part 3 still kind of fucks. Like if it hey. didn't have the Halloween like title with it, I would if it was just Season of the Witch, I'd be super fu- like I think oh, it yeah. I think it would have been highly successful. All right, so all right, so this so you don't even have to think this is controversial cuz I'm about to like completely stand behind you on yes. this one. Halloween one is my fa- obviously the best of the series. Mm-hmm. You can't you, Halloween one. Yeah. My second favorite of the series is Halloween three. So good. Yeah, it's it's, so good. Uh, it's fantastic. I did not like it necessarily when I first saw it, uh, but of course I think it's one of those movies where, when when you first hear about it, you get it with that like it doesn't even have Michael Myers in yes. it. Like, you get it with that already kind of snide hatred for it. Which is unfair, because while it doesn't have Michael Myers in it, you know what it does have? Tom fucking Atkins. Yes. Yes. Like, the king of, like, late 70s, early 80s horror. Mm-hmm. King. The king. It, the fog. Come on. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And it was, I think, one of the first movies I've seen um, that didn't have a happy ending or a hopeful right? ending. No hope. Nothing happy. Yeah. I was into that. Um, I'm not always into that. Like, um, oh God, was it? Is Tom Cruise in The Mist? No, it's uh, Thomas Jane. Thank you. The Mist. I was like, ugh, ugh. See, I didn't mind that one as much, but I think that's because like I had read the story so many times that I had this kind of idea of where it was gonna go. Sure, sure, sure. And then when they went the different way, I was like, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> like is it a happy ending? Jesus, no. Like, absolutely, it's probably one not. of the most depressing endings of a horror movie you could get. Uh, it worked for me though but i absolutely get what you mean like there's this i mean there's a trend now to like just there is no happy ending Mm -hmm. like everything everyone's going to die there is no final girl or by final girl they mean final death right right, it's just very everything's got to have like a weirdo twist ending and i don't know i feel like horror now sometimes tries to be smarter than it needs to be Mm -hmm. i thought so i don't know if you have you watched squid game not all of it. Okay, I won't spoil it then. But, but you can go ahead. To, well, no, go ahead. It's fine. I'll, like honestly, I will forget by the time we get around <laughs> to watching it. Um, I just feel like that's I. I wouldn't consider Squid Game a horror show, but I would. Right. Ha- I would say that it has very much horror motifs because you know I think the best part of horror and what I think um, like Jordan Peele does so beautifully is blending humor with mm. horror. Um, is that like. There's there's moments where it takes the pressure off a little bit and you feel yeah. like, oh, it's going to be OK. And then it's not fucking OK. Yeah. Yeah. You need those moments of like, oh, there's the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and everything's fine. And then they pull it back on you. 
And then you have the opposite that Jordan Peele did in Get Out in the final scene. Spoiler. So fast forward, I guess, if you haven't seen Get Out, which <laughs> pause this and go if watch Get Out. If you haven't seen it at this point, like tough, like it, it's on you. Like, when you had opportunity when he's fighting with a uh, uh, bitch at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. names. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the the lights show up and you feel yeah. that moment in your chest like, oh, my God, this is going to end. This is going to end with police brutality holy fucking right shit. that's exactly where i went when i first saw it too and then it's it's his friend and you're like yeah <gasps> like you feel that like breath come out and you're just so fucking relieved and like you know i've had i had you know friends that are are not uh BIPOC and they said like yeah. I was relieved when I saw the cops show up and I was like why? <laughs> why were you right? relieved? Like that is never like when the cops show up it is never for a good reason. No. Like it's never just like hey we were in the neighborhood and we thought we'd come by and hang out. Right. Like it's never that it's just like alright who needs to get shot? Yes like, exactly. Or something bad happened and somebody already did. Well like, so um, it, that's interesting actually is that my dad and I talk a lot about how in horror movies the military are the good guys and in sci-fi no wait that's opposite in in horror movies the military are the bad guys and in sci-fi the military are the good guys did i mix that up again oh god i'm trying to think no and i would say in sci-fi the military are usually the bad guys okay i did opposite i did opposite usually in horror when the military shows you up you're like all right the killer's about to get his ass whooped or something yeah or the zombies are going to get mowed down or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally correct. I would agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. It's like the only time ever when the government shows up, you're like, <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you have E.T. and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Right? <laughs> and that was like, and that, it's also one of those things like, all right, so when the government shows up in a sci-fi movie, it's never it's never a really a good thing. Right. It's also never a good thing when any doctor shows up in a sci-fi <laughs> movie. When they're ever like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so from the whatever clinic, mm. you're just like, fuck, these are the guys that started the whole damn thing. <laughs> like, that's what we're about to find out. You wait, you wait. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, okay, so I don't want to forget about this one. All right, so this is the last thing that I actually had written down okay. for, like, a specific thing to talk about. All right, in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, Paramount gave us a show called It Was Him. Uh, I believe it was, it was him, the many murders of Ed Edwards. <laughs> yes. Um, and I was like, wow, what an interesting premise for the show. And the premise of the show was here was this guy that they were, that his, like, some grandson, I don't remember if it was an uncle, it was a family member somewhere down the line, was going to prove that Ed Edwards, his relative, was responsible for, like, a string of really famous murders mm-hmm. like famous feels like a horrible word to use for that but like infamous uh, infamous there we go uh, notorious mm-hmm. maybe there's mm-hmm. a good one uh all right so here's the list of, of things that that this guy was going to try and stick to ed edwards the zodiac killing which obviously now we know like did they prove that that who they thought was actually <sighs> the, or is the this feds more of like a hearsay kind of thing? the feds have said that the case is open okay but I like to believe in fun. Right. So I'm going to believe it's true until they say it's unequivocally not true. I agree with that. That's kind of where I was about it. Like, I was like, oh, they figured it out. And then I saw some article that was like, well, maybe not. I'm like, no, they fucking figured it out. That's the other <laughs> thing. We finally got the son of a bitch, and here we go. 
And of course, it was like some like non-person. Like you were like, who's that? Who's that fucking yeah. guy? Like, and there's nobody impressive. because he did stuff like roast Ted Bundy in his like his Amazon reviews. That's fucking right. funny. That is like wow. I'm not calling him funny. I'm calling the fact that he was so out of touch that he would like took his time to say like yeah ted bundy's a fucking amateur in his, right in his amazon prime reviews like dude oh my god he's like the btk of <laughs> amazon reviews good lord <laughs> somebody coined bad poetry and he was like well fuck it i'm going with amazon reviews <laughs> four out of you know four out of ten do not recommend ted bundy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, all right so the zodiac mm-hmm. the black dahlia killing sure. yeah because obviously like you know those are right around each other and and you're gonna notice that as i go through this list you're gonna be like wow that's a really long time <laughs> time spread so black dahlia jimmy hoffa okay john benet ramsey right. yeah and the atlanta child murders cool yes now 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 ed edwards is an older man at this point mm-hmm. at the time of the show he might be i don't I don't know if he's dead or he might he died in 2011 okay so he was definitely dead at that point uh there's no way any of these were him no like no. He, like he would have had to have been like i want to say i i'm guessing like i want to say that like to do the dahlia murder he would have had to have been like 15 yeah. <laughs> or 16 or something along that line so it was like clearly not the case and the one that got me the most was like, I, like we're watching through it. I'm like, all right, all right. So the Atlanta child murders, hell, maybe. They always thought that that might have been more than one person. Yeah. And it did seem like the kind of case that was definitely more than one person. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the John JonBenet Ramsey one? No. Dude, Homeboy, no, hom- because homeboy never killed a kid. Like, he was not, no. like, into that. Not at all. And, uh. There was no way he was like. I'm, this is going to sound mean, but like, if you ever looked at a picture of what Ed Edwards looked like, <laughs> he wasn't sneaking into John Benet's. He wasn't sneaking in through a little window. No, like he wasn't sneaking. He couldn't sneak into a Waffle House. No. Like, just an absolute, like, complete and utter line of horseshit. Yeah. And I want to say by like the second episode, I had pretty much resolved myself to this being a complete line of crap. Mm-hmm. And it was just going to be the kind of show where I watched it like. I like get, hate watched it until the end, and I mean it. It became like this kind of like over dramatic. The guy was always like, well, I can't. I don't. It's because it's reality mm-hmm. TV. Like you, you know how that shit goes. Like the the reasons they would give for Ed Edwards being a killer were so flimsy. Like oh well, the Zodiac killer. Well, one time he was in California. Right? Sure. Great. That's fucking great. I've All been right. in California. Does that make me the right. Zodiac killer? It must. Um, I'm interviewing the Zodiac killer. Uh. So, yeah, Ed, Ed Edwards is one of those, like, very criminally sophisticated serial killers. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, like, he could not stop himself from breaking the law. That was just kind of, like, no. his thing. He, like, at one point, I have this written down, he, like, he very specifically did not disguise himself to rob a bunch of gas stations because he wanted yeah. to be famous. Like, if he killed John Benet Ramsey, we'd fucking know it. Right? He'd have been, like, running down the road with her scalp yeah. in his hand. Like, I fucking did it. Like, he's just... They wouldn't have hid he was, in any way, shape, or he form. He was so obsessed with being famous. That dude That dude would not have been the Zodiac. Like, the Zodiac did put his name in the cipher, if we are to believe that yeah. Gar- Gary did it. Um, right. Which is as much as... It's pretty close to signing your name. But... Yeah. Um, Ed Edwards, like, wrote an autobiography. He wrote the feds and asked for his criminal records because he wanted them, like, for his autobiography. <laughs> like, he went on, like... 
uh, by the way, if you look up Ed Edwards' appearances mm. on like game shows, because he was on two separate game shows in the right. hold on, I have it written down somewhere uh, in the seventies. Um, they're fucking creepy. Really? Yes. Uh, it's to tell the truth and what's my line, um, and dude, it's it's creepy. Like this, Yikes. he wanted fame, and I think right. it probably burned him that like no one knows who he was. It's got to. I mean, you know, he should have been waiting. He should have held out for the Zodiac to do a review. <laughs> oh, man. It's, man, it's delightful, though. I love, I think we need to stop letting relatives of serial killers, like, come up with theories about their oh, God, loved yes. ones. Because was it? There, there was a, there was an H.H. H. Holmes yes. one a few years prior to that that was an equal a bunch of garbage. Like, Jack the Ripper. Like... Yeah. Like, do I think it's possible that H.H. H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper were the same person? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure. Like, but he didn't give me anything in, in, in those episodes that led me to believe that that was actually the case. Like, it was just nothing but conjecture right. the whole time. Right. And this is, so we don't, like, Whitney and I don't talk about this publicly, but that's how exactly yeah. how I feel about the, I say publicly as I'm on a fucking podcast that I'm going right. to promote about it. But that's why, okay, this is a spicy take and I need everyone to prepare themselves for it. But um, down. Burke did not kill John Benet Ramsey. And I believe that with my whole heart. Right. And that, listen. Burke's the brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I fully believe that it was an out, uh, an outside person that killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, that is, I understand, a very unpopular <laughs> take in the true crime community. Right. But I think my reason, my my reason for bringing that up is that because of the sensationalism of true crime documentaries and true crime series, is that we have all these people that are like, yeah, I believe that Stephen Avery's innocent. No, he, right. no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Uh, absolutely not. Um, but because of because documentaries don't have to have the same like uh, journalistic integrity as right. a, a, like a journalist, they can you know they can lie by omission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a careful play of editing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that and and because TV's more about uh, getting views than being accurate, you yeah. get a lot of Ed Edwards was the Black Dolly like. The Black Dahlia murder is one of those that's, like, basically solved. We just don't know for sure. Right. It was that doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that gives me a headache. <laughs> it's, it was just such a good... Like, like, they said Black Dahlia, and I was like, ooh, ooh, I love that case. Yeah. I love the case. You know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's an interesting case. Uh, and then, you know, they got into it, and they were like, well, he would have had to have been, like, you know, 16 to do this. I'm like, this isn't him, then. This is stupid. Yeah. I've wasted 30 minutes already, like... Why are you even showing me this crap? It was just such a bunch of hooey. Yeah. Yeah. And you get that a lot with, I think, with true crime documentaries. I think that's why it's, like, super important to supplement your sources when you're looking into cases. Like, don't sign any, don't sign any petitions, right? Until you, like, like, (laughs) go to the subreddit. I know Reddit's, like, a wasteland, um, but sometimes they do a pretty good job of, like, compiling sources (laughs) on stuff. Right. Like we watched, uh, we watched a documentary the other night on uh, the Amityville House. Oh yeah! Like on Tubi, they had a they had this new series. Okay. Something about like I forget if it's about like famous murder, like horror crossover kind of true crime shit. Sure. Uh, but they did the they did the the Amityville case and the house and everything. Yeah. And 
Like there, like there were. They interviewed a lot of podcast people, a lot of like you know big horror fan podcast people, and a lot of them were like, "Oh yeah, I totally believe the house is possessed and the hundred percent." And I'm thinking like, like, and this is why no one that ever lives in that house can have a moment's peace. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were showing footage of like people going to the house now and like filming and taking <laughs> pictures. So like like they're showing people's TikTok footage of like them at the house. Like oh, I'm at the Amityville house. It's they're standing outside, right? You can't go in because it's a private residence. Mm-hmm. So there's people just standing outside this house like, oh, it's so creepy. I get such a creepy vibe just being here. This place is so evil. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm yelling at the TV like, no, they're not. Yeah. Like, It's not fucking possessed. Like the house isn't possessed. The house isn't evil because if it was, every single family that took up residence in that place would have had something happen to them probably. Listen. And since, since the Amityville people... That hasn't been the case. Listen, if I ever see Ed and Lorraine Warren in the streets, it's on site. Uh-huh. I will fight well, both of them. Well, if you ever see Ed and Lorraine Warren in the streets, you better run. There's, those motherfuckers are back from the dead. They're zombies. But, you know, yeah. they're they're the fucking worst. I This right. is why I can't watch The Conjuring or any of those kind of, kinds of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Because, like it, like, it takes me out of it immediately when right. I'm like, they weren't, like, experts. They were just... No, no. <laughs> they, were, they were, like, the equivalent of, like, like a ghost hunting show. Yeah, they're frauds. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, the thing I... I see, I enjoy the Conjuring movies except for the new mm-hmm. one. The new one I haven't seen it. Bleh. Yeah. Um, but I think I enjoy it, not because it's Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like, that portion of it doesn't interest me. The people that they cast as Ed and Lorraine Warren are so goddamn likable yeah. that you don't care as much. I'm like, okay, if I view this as no basis in truth, mm-hmm. then I can watch it. Because it doesn't look like Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like Very if much Ed not. Warren ever came back from the dead, he should thank Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Like you made me look better than I've ever looked in my <laughs> entire life. So I will. That's how. That's how I can get around kind of the horseshit of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I will give you that. Like they cast like very hot people, and I think right? like I think maybe that's like part of what makes me angry. Actually, like it comes back around right. to like being pissed off because I'm like Ed and Lorraine Warren did like they were like a. They were already, like, an aging couple before they... Yeah, they were, like, a church couple. <laughs> yeah, before they got famous. And, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not what they yeah, looked no, like. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's... it's when, ugh, It makes me so angry. And, like, his little, like, we, horror office with all the artifacts. Yeah. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> like, when we, were, when we were watching it, I was, like... I grew up in, like, a church household. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they're showing all these old pictures of Ed and Lorraine, and I'm like fuck, those are old church people. Like, I could tell just from, like, the outfits that she had on <laughs> and the way her hair was done. I was like, I saw at least 10 people over the course of my life that looked just like that. Right. Like, the same outfits, the whole nine yards. So, like, yeah, they weren't interesting, like, people. Like, did they do an interesting, I'll quote-unquote, job? Uh, no. Sure. <laughs> they also conned people. Yeah. Like, you know, it. like, is ghost hunting fun? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That shit is interesting as hell to me. But, you know, like making yourself out to be more than you are eh, that's a little something different right yeah and um sorry there's a weird noise i'm shit talking ed and lorraine warren they've come they've come to get me they're they're outside your window right now (laughs) um yeah i think like i don't know i just feel like when when it comes to like horror movies i want i want something new and fresh and that Mm -hmm. just doesn't feel new and fresh to me like i've seen a million uh possession movies yes eh. yeah yeah 
No, I agree. Like, I dig exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will always be... Like, The Exorcist is probably my top horror movie. Yes. Uh, which is... I feel... Uh, so, I have a I have a Facebook friend who is in their, like, early 20s. And they watched The Exorcist recently for the first time. And they were completely unimpressed by really? it. Really? Like, they hated it. Like, they were like, it was, like, the most boring thing I've ever seen. And I had this moment where I was, like, deeply hurt. Yeah. Like, my heart broke a little bit. And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, wait a second. Because uh, in the early aughts, they brought the exorcist back to the theater with new footage. Yeah. That, like, the version you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be the superior version. Uh, But, so I went to see it in the theater, and the audience, like, the younger portion of the audience that was there watching it, they were laughing through the entire movie. Interesting. I thought... And I was like, what the fuck? Like... Huh. I thought it held up pretty well. I watched it recently. I was in a... I'm in a... A group of friends that are we were, we were going through watching um, movies at the beginning of quarantine, um, yeah. and that was one of the movies we picked. And I thought it held up pretty well. Um, and then I think the movie that holds up the best though has to be Halloween. That movie mm-hmm. still, it's it's like ageless. Yeah, you feel your heart pounding when like mm-hmm. was it? In, I think it was in one where he's uh, between the clothesline. And the wind yeah. comes through, and then it, ugh, yep. so, so good. But yeah, I think there's a fine line, I think, of like, like I was saying before with Get Out, like of, of horror and comedy. It, like, it's the same parts of yeah. your brain. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me that people were laughing, but I really do think it holds up. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, and this was like, like, there's laughing because you're nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like the nervous horror laughing where you're like, oh, that scared the shit out of me. He, he, he. And then there's like, haha, this is funny. Like the point, the part where she's stabbing herself with the crucifix. Yeah. They were laughing in that scene, and I was like, "This is just like what horror fans are now, I guess." Like, I guess there's nothing. Sh- I feel like it, I maybe if you didn't grow up in the era of like, like let's be honest, like there are less people going to church. Sure, now. sure. Um, so I feel like maybe the punch from that portion of it isn't quite there for a good portion of a new audience. Right. But you've got, I don't, I don't know. Well, like it just, it felt. Because, I mean, listen, like this is also the generation that grew up with torture porn, right? So like, yeah, saw, yeah, that's true. The, the, all the saws, yeah. hostile, human centipede. So like, <laughs> that I don't watch those movies. So maybe that's right. why that felt still feels horrifying to me. Like watching yeah. her stab herself. You're less desensitized. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, because yeah, I can't, I can't stomach that shit. So. <clears throat> Like, I can watch the first Saw, because the first Saw is very, actually, low on gore. And then they really ramped it, it up is, really. on the second one. I mean, and you've got, Car- yeah. you've got Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes, oh. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, when I do, and, like, going back to the podcast, when we talk about gore and stuff, I usually have to have Whitney talk about it. Um, right. Because it makes me nauseous. But, um, uh. man, that's, I guess... I'm both I'm simultaneously surprised and not surprised, but I do think a big right. part of it is a bunch and because millennials especially, a big part of growing up on the internet was uh that gross like out rotten.com. Yeah, gross yeah. out shit that you'd be linked yeah. to like the most horrifying thing you've ever seen in your life. Um yeah. <laughs> as a surprise. Um so maybe that's why. It could be. It's hard to say. I guess probably, you know, like, cause so when I was a kid, like, the satanic panic was, like, yes. the, all, all the fucking rage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, parents are a little less... I mean, now they don't believe that unless it's a pizza place and <laughs> something nefarious going on in a basement. Well, now but, it's now it's uh, human trafficking. That's the... That's yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, There's no Satan anymore. It's just human trafficking. And that's, that makes me angry, too, because it's vanishingly rare to be trafficked like the, the way it's sensationalized on the Internet. Right. Um, you're usually trafficked by someone you know and trust. Um, and I think it's... Which is just so much worse. Yes! Um, you know, there's there's people online that are, are better activists than me that talk about their own experiences being trafficked by their boyfriend, by their husband, by their parents. And it's like, you're right. not going to be kidnapped. Like, you're a blonde white woman. You're not going to be kidnapped in the middle of broad daylight at Target. Yeah. Like... Yeah, people are going to notice you're yeah. gone. Like, <laughs> Come on. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just getting old, right? Yeah, like, that's how I feel. Yeah, eventually, the things that I love will be old and pa- old, super old and super passe. And like people will look at The Exorcist the same way they look at like Bride of Frankenstein in terms classic. of like, you know, a classic its age. Right, <laughs> right. It's iconic. Uh, uh, that's funny. I, I mean, and I think the there's a meme going around of, you know, because we've made strides in the last 10 years uh, on human rights and, you know, we have a lot of work to work to do, but it's getting better. Yeah. And t- somebody, a uh, millennial, uh, someone my age is talking about the, the line for them when they get old, what, mm. what are their kids going to be embarrassed about? And it's, uh, androids. That's the next like big, bigoted, bigoted thing of like, if your kid comes home with huh. a, with an Android, are you, are you going to be able to handle it? You're going to be able to of course, that's it. a that's a joke because like we're still t- right. we're still dealing with racism. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have bigger things to worry about. At the but you know, if some if your kid comes home with an android, are you gonna? That's just the plot of Detroit Become Human, by the way. It is the oh my god! It is the plot of Detroit Become Human. <laughs> I, I'm literally wow. replaying it right now. Uh, are yeah, you? it's a fantastic game. But yeah, I uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, I think I could I think I could deal with my kid coming home with a with an android. I could deal with yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. As long as that android is programmed not to be an yeah. asshole, then yeah. <laughs> Which really, aren't we all supposed to be programmed to not be assholes? Not be assholes, right? <laughs> there you go. There's like the whole tagline for the show tonight. It's just, aren't we all programmed not to be assholes? <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's fantastic. All right. So what are your, uh, like it's horror movie month. What are your, what are your go-tos? Like, give me your. Give me your top five. Oh, jeez. Uh, I know that's. A, I'm. I apologize because it's such a shit question. Like, because if somebody asked me that, I would be like, "Well, top five horror? What? Like, what's what's the fucking subgenre you want to know?" Because I've seen too much. Can I have? Hold on. So one is. You can have more than five. My number one is obviously Return of the Living Dead. It's so bad yeah. that it's good, right? It's just. Yeah. It's like coming home. I love it. Um. I also love Halloween. Mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Um, because that's when Jason finally gets his fucking hockey mask. It is. And it's on. It is. Um, and one of my favorite scenes is in that movie when they're like, "Oh God, the van's on fire!" and they run to the back of the <laughs> van, and it's just the old hippies pulling bomb yeah. hits. They just smoke the van out. So good. Uh, yeah. Train to Busan. Oh yeah. And then hold on, I have to look because I'm I'm like okay. I said I'm awful with names. <clears throat> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm. I'm a huge because I'm. I was also curious because uh, somebody I know, hus, somebody I know's husband has not seen Friday the Thirteenth Part One, and I was okay. curious whether or not he knew the twist at that because I didn't oh. when I first watched it. Um, Did you watch him out of order? No. So I when I was okay. running the um, horror blog with my dad on a Friday the Thirteenth, we dropped a Friday the Thirteenth ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched all of them. Um, I, you know what? I will say 
my five is kind of it depends i'm gonna say get out and then number six is hereditary because i've never seen a movie like that before um okay i think that i'm a little i don't like midsummer i have issues with midsummer but solely because of the people that watched it and were like good for good for her yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a happy ending. She's in a cult now. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's still gonna go bad for her at some yeah. point. Like, um, this is a death cult. You caught that. Part, yeah, right? yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> this is, and oh, she feels held. I'm like, yeah, they're they're. That's not good. That's not a good thing. You need to be yeah, against her will. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be able to feel your emotions by yourself. That's part of being right. like a person. Um, Nothing would make me feel less comfortable than a, than a group, like a room full of women screaming at me as I'm trying to cry yes, about something. Yes. So I guess in my case, it would be like another room full of guys, like crying in my face as I'm trying to cry. Like, what, take you out of the moment. Talk about like, well, I just don't have problems anymore because yeah. this is so much worse. Like. <laughs> and like, sorry, we're going off on a tangent. You just asked me for my That's list. Fine. But in Midsummer, like the dude, the boyfriend, did he suck? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But he did plan to break up with her and was kind of put into a hard place, right? Yeah, yeah. Did he deserve true. to die? No. Um, like, was he... Yeah, maybe not Maybe not that day. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, like... I think emotionally abusive, maybe. Maybe it's in the, like, lightest sense of the term. He was, like... Yeah. He was struggling with his own, like, guilt of, like, wanting to break up with her. Yeah. He didn't deserve... He was, like, super manipulative and, like... Yeah. He didn't deserve to be burned to death in a bear costume. Like, embarrassing. No. No, that was a bit much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that that movie... Because what I liked about Hereditary is that it was, like, wait, 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 wait. And then it was sprint to the end. And I loved that. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking today that I haven't watched that in quite a while. Like, probably since I saw it the first time. Yeah. And it was on, and I was like, "Oh, do I want to no. watch it now?" And I'm like, "No, man, I don't want to watch it right now." Right. Like, I don't. I don't think I ever want to watch it again. Not really. Like I. I right. The the group that I was talking about did watch it, and I was getting mm-hmm. texts throughout, like, "Are you going to come in?" I'm like, "No, I'm not going to watch. I I've seen it. I'm good. Yeah. It's not one of those movies I need to see again. Get out. I will watch it repeatedly. That's why it comes yeah, before absolutely. Hereditary. Uh, Her Hereditary. No, I'm good. I you know there's, I got home from that movie and i saw what's her name who's the who plays the mom oh uh damn it i know uh i uh, i just i know every time i closed my eyes i saw her on the ceiling of my room that's why that movie is a fantastic movie is because it has that imagery that just sticks with you. yeah you're burned in yeah absolutely and it seems like like a24 like the, the the company like they're like they're like the Blumhouse of art flick horror movies now. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's like a, like when you see an A24 trailer, I'm like, this is going to be the weirdest fucking thing I've seen all year. I guarantee. And it will be scary. Did you see lamb? I have not seen lamb yet, but I did actually just see it. Like it popped up on my like, Hey, do you want to watch this on demand? <laughs> so I know it's available now. Oh no. So I haven't, did you watch it? I haven't it? seen it. I don't know if I want to, uh, I'm I'm nervous. It's like there's a line like I, with body horror. I know like some of the yes. some of the scenes with um in Midsummer really really upset me. Um I know I know mm. you know the ones that I am thinking of. And also yep. the scene the the scene with Cheedy's death. I know his his name's not Cheedy, but he plays Cheedy in the good place. Um Yeah. Yeah. I cannot think oh my god, I'm getting nauseous just thinking about it. Um head wounds really really <laughs> just kill me. Um It's yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think with A24, 
you're going to have a lot of feelings about the movie you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of emotions happening. And there's no real middle ground. Like, I don't know anybody that kind of likes <laughs> yeah. an A24 movie. You either enjoyed it or you think it's the worst thing you've ever fucking yeah. seen. Um, I hated, I don't think this is an A24, but I, I, it pulled up when I was looking at my watched movies uh, on Netflix was The Ritual. Couldn't mm. fucking stand that movie. Hated it. They, they revealed. I think I saw that one. The hiking movie. Oh, yes. I totally yeah. saw that one. Uh, they revealed the monster and it was just too goofy for me to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't dig on body horror. Mm-mm. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, you would think that that's not the case because my top horror movie is probably the thing. Fantastic. Or like, the, like the, it's probably that's probably number two. Like, The Exorcist would be mm-hmm. number one, and The Thing is number two. I wouldn't. And The Thing is a fucking body horror movie. Like, I wouldn't consider. I, I guess it is a technically a body horror movie, but it's not a body horror movie in the same way that like Hostel is a body horror movie or the no, Human Centipede. No, 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 no. There's not. It's not like torture. It's porn not a. Yet. It's not a gross out movie. Right. The horror is the horror the is damn isn't effective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I tie that one with like I always put that on the same plane as like the fog. Like the thing and the yes. fog go hand in hand mm-hmm. for me. Because my first horror movie experience was uh, a friend of my parents was watching me while my parents went out to mm-hmm. dinner and uh, he was like, Hey man, do you wanna watch a, like you wanna watch a movie or something? I'm like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was young. I was probably like, I don't know, seven, <laughs> eight, maybe. Um so he throws on, like, you know, back then, like, you could VHS record, like, three movies on a fucking mm-hmm. tape. So he throws it in, and the first movie was The Thing, and I was just, like, uh, way too young to yes. watch the, the yep. fucking thing. But I was I was riveted. I was just like, oh, this is the best. Like, this is so cool. And then he, it was the double feature with The Fog. Like, The Fog was the second movie on the tape. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. <laughs> and, like the, like, The Fog totally blew my mind. I loved it so much. That like a week later he dubbed the tape for me so that I would have my own copy it, of the thing. It the just imp- imprinted on you. Out. It just imprinted. Yeah, totally did. That's so funny. It's it's weird because like my favorite part of horror movies are always the lore. Lore heavy mm-hmm. movies are are some like I I didn't even mention Thirteen Ghosts and I'm a little bit disgusted with myself. Disgusted with right. myself because I I fucking love that movie. I don't it's really a consider movie. it horror though. It's not really scary. No, it's like Flash. It's yeah. Like, it's like a music video. Um, but the first ever horror movie I watched was because my dad, my dad used to explain horror movie plots to me. So I'd be less scared. Okay. So like he yeah. explained uh, Sixth Sense to me. He explained Signs to me. He explained, and this is the one that I, I that stuck with my brain was The Ring. Okay. Uh, the American version. I, I didn't see yeah. the, the Japanese version yet. Is And so I, watched, I had a sleepover with all my friends. We watched it like on the Friday before uh the friday and we watched it and then i timed it so seven days later i or uh, whatever day i remember i had all the like i had it all mapped out the day Mm -hmm. that the handprint showed up i had a handprint i drew on with makeup on my arm i was probably like oh i was probably like 12 um meanwhile i was so fucking scared i slept like on the floor because my parents had that this huge like master bedroom i slept on the floor of my parents room on the opposite side of where their tv was (laughs) so i was so scared but yeah it's one of those that just sticks with you man now what has there been anything recent that came out that really like i obviously said hereditary kind of fucked Mm -hmm. you up a little bit but has there been anything like a little more recent than that 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 really fucking grabbed you and like gave you a gut punch Let me think. I, you know, it gets hard after a while. I mean, you kind of, I. It sounds, it sounds sick, but you kind of learn to accept it. Um, I will yeah. say that Squid Game. 
I, I know I've been harping on Squid, Squid Game, but I was obsessed for a while and no one I knew watched it. So I was like texting everyone right. like, you need to watch this immediately. <laughs> um, there were some moments in that where it wasn't like a gut punch, but it was like, oh, sh- shit, fuck. <laughs> right. Like it caught you off guard. Um, yeah. And then I would say probably Midsummer was the last one I saw that really caught me off guard. Um, the okay. scene with the sledgehammers, the, uh, the eagle, what is it? The whatever eagle. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. like I said, the, the head wound scene really, really got to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I it's hard because I specifically avoid body horror movies. Like, I won't watch yeah. I won't watch Human Centipede because I just think that's I weird. I am interested in... You're not missing anything. I'm interested in seeing Tusk, though. <sighs> Is it going to upset I me? i got to go back and... I, I don't know if it'll upset It might upset you because you don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. I probably need to watch it. I was, a friend of mine sent me a care package from the West Coast, mm-hmm. and in it was a DVD copy of Tusk. Okay. And his, his, he prefaced it by saying, like, I'm basically handing this over to you like the tape from the <laughs> Like, I watched it, and I hated it, and I don't know what the fuck I just watched, so I have to pass it on yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. So, so I got this, I have this copy of D, uh, on DVD of Tusk that we, we watched, mm-hmm. like, we absolutely watched, and... I was, like I said, I need to maybe watch it again because I was not overly impressed. I think maybe I went into it thinking like Kevin Smith, like you think Kevin sure. Smith, you have a preconceived notion for what you're going to mm-hmm. get. Um, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have done that coming off of like Red State. Like I should have probably broadened <laughs> my fucking scope yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, but this definitely was not what I was anticipating and did not blow my skirt up in it's, any way, shape. Or it's form. the opposite version. You know what it is? It's the opposite version of Jennifer's body. Oh, because yeah. Jennifer's body was marketed as a horror a horror film, and it should have been right. a comedy, and and yeah. Tusk was I think somehow marketed as a comedy, and it it was it had like a lighthearted vibe to it and for some reason. Like I remember it was one of my college friend's birthday when Jennifer's body came out, and I hadn't seen any previews of it, but she wanted to go see it, mm-hmm. and I was the only person that walked out of that theater stoked on what I'd just seen. I love that. Fantastic. Movie. One of the one of the best contemporary horror movies like of this like the last couple decades. It's it, it's right? fantastic. It is Yeah, it was like the role Megan Fox was born to play. Yes. Uh, like I don't think she'll ever get a role that fits her better than that role. Well, now she's her. like I watched the recent thing she did with uh not the whole fiasco with Machine <laughs> I was going to say her mean, role now I don't, now I don't is, mean that horror show. Her role now is to be Machine Gun Gun Kelly's <laughs> girlfriend i guess (laughs) there was yeah something like that there was she has a movie on netflix now like it's a netflix made movie that's basically like gerald's game like it's like they kind of fleshed out gerald's game more so it has the same setup and general Mm -hmm. plot and then it gets really weird uh it's not it's not good like it just it just (laughs) wasn't it just wasn't very good like i kind of went in like thinking like it'll be fun like you know jennifer's body was Mm -hmm. fun like this isn't going to be the same obviously but like you know it's megan fox it'll be fine no 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 she she definitely didn't didn't nail it on Mm, this one disappointing and like like i don't know i I think with with jennifer's body i think like that's one of the the saddest the saddest miss markets i've ever seen like because i wouldn't mm. i wouldn't consider it scary it's definitely a comedy horror right. though and they just marketed it as like oh demon girl murders men yeah and it's like no it was pretty yeah. funny yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah no it was like a whole bunch of comedy and apparently y'all missed that in the test screen so. 
so yeah i mean goodness. yeah we've covered a we've covered a wide variety we certainly have ah <laughs> uh, goodness i don't know if i have i don't know if i have too much more do you have anything you want to do you have anything you want to bring up you have anything you want to mention i mean obviously obviously please plug your show sure. and, and tell us all of the um we are true crime campfire on all podcasting platforms um and some non-podcasting <laughs> platforms uh you can find us on twitter at <laughs> tc campfire um you can find us on instagram at true crime campfire um we have a patreon if you are into that kind of thing um we do uh extra show every month for our patrons i think this month we are doing a or reading some horror mo- uh horror stories and uh answering some some Mm. listener questions so yeah check us out if if uh if you're interested yeah absolutely check them out please 100 percent. go like when you're done listening to me (laughs) yes listen to listen to aaron first um yeah uh like i would like i said i would arguably say that y'all are like probably one of the best true crime shows Wow, thank you. Like, definitely my favorite true crime show. But That's I a huge compliment. Thank you. Best, uh, <laughs> oh, no, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Um, goodness, yeah. So, uh, did you have a good time? Oh, good my God, time. this was a blast. Listen, I, if I could, if I could <laughs> just blast. talk about true crime and horror movies for an hour and a half every day, like, I'd be a happy woman. Right. Well, then we'll have to do this again Absolutely. at some point. Absolutely. What we should do is we should get you and Whitney on at the same time, and we could just see what kind of otherworldly fucking chaos that turns well into. we have to talk about this off show but we were talking about bringing you on to our show and okay chatting. yeah i would love to Let's do that do it. that would be a hoot <laughs> yeah please all right friends that is gonna do it for this time katie thank you so much for coming on the show and hanging out with me for a little while it was a blast uh friends go listen to their show and uh Go follow them on all of the social medias and all of that. And uh, that is going to do it for this time. We'll get this out to you as soon as possible. Katie, say goodnight to everybody. Good night. Later, y'all. Bye.